We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. My next guest I'm very excited about, and he's brought to you by John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. And I have to tell you, it's called The State of Black America, Progress, Pitfalls, and the Promise of the Republic. Now, this is edited by William B. Allen, and he is our guest tonight. I'm excited to interview him tonight. And let me tell you a little bit about this. In a nation that is tearing itself apart over race, trying to speak honestly about the state of black America is a perilous task. Amen. Charges of systemic racism and proliferating identity politics have been turned loose, undermining American unity while seeking to replace our shared values and commitment to individual rights with a new woke anti-racist ideology. In the process, the real lived experience of black Americans remains overlooked. Is America the land of white oppression and structural racism featured in the 1619 Project or the imperfect land of liberty and boundless opportunity envisioned by Frederick Douglass? Well, in the state of black America, progress pitfalls and the promise of the republic. And by the way, that's by Encounter Books. It was released on May 24th of this year. Editor William B. Allen is joining us now. He's a resident scholar and the former chief operating officer of the Center for Urban Renewal and Education, lovingly known as the acronym of CURE, C-U-R-E. And he has assembled an incisive collection of essays that reveals the past, present, and future strength of Black America as the best hope for a nation that has lost faith in itself. William B. Allen Editor, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. Sir, I just want to know immediately, um, are you an African-American man? Well, I have to answer that question in a perplexing way. No. The reason I say no is because I'm black. And I published an op-ed 30-some years ago in which I explained why I'm still black. And I said, when I became black, I became black for good. For good. We're talking about a lifetime. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you are one of the first to really catch on. <laughs> well, I must say, I am really um, inter- very interested in the state of black America. And we've talked about this. Many, many scholars have addressed this particular subject. Tell me why this is so meaningful for you as an editor. It is meaningful to me because partly I've spent a lifetime trying to bring clarity to these questions. I served on the Commission on Civil Rights, and much of my scholarship has been devoted to it. And at CURE, 
I realized we had an opportunity to gather together some of the brightest people in the country to really address the critical question, what happened after slavery ended? Mm. Because we, think that we have a false view of that. We, we think after slavery ended, the curtain came down rather than going up. <laughs> we, we think that what happened was a dark period of complete repression and utter victimization and total black dependence resulted. The opposite was true. Yes, it was terrible. Repression, yes. Enforced segregation, yes. Pervasive lynching, yes. Riots and massacres, yes. All those things happened. But in the midst of them, we saw extraordinary progress in American black communities. And we saw free slaves move immediately into education, attaining 50% literacy by 1920 already, but doubling the population between 1860 and 1890, just 30 years. Phenomenal. Family formation. All the way through the early part of the 20th century, we saw economic progress, educational progress. We saw social progress. And that was during the darkest years. Now, since that time, of course, a lot of those dark clouds have been lifted because, of course, we passed civil rights laws and we got court decisions where we won against school segregation and other things. And that doesn't mean all of the indignities were eliminated. No, there were still cases left, but gradually... What had been first the cancer of surgery that was moved by, pardon me, the cancer of slavery that was moved by radical surgery, and then the cancer of racism, which took chemotherapy, lots of legislation and protest and all that, you know what I mean? So, yes, so I do. basically, we've been curing ourselves of these cancers successively. And yet today, we look back and we pretend the cancer was never cured. And that's crazy. And that's what the New York Times 1619 Project is doing, pretending the cancer has never been cured. With respect to the cancer of slavery, we're in remission. We have to understand that. It's not coming back. And with, the cancer, with respect to the cancer of racism, it's declining. Chemotherapy is winning. Okay. If this is so, then why is it that I am more um, aware of how powerful the hate is against those of us that look like you and me. If that is the case, then why aren't I celebrating that? Why don't we have that information and that news that you just shared with us? Uh, why, why aren't we talking more about that? Well, we, we try to explain that in the book, and, and there's a good reason for it. It's because we have persuaded ourselves that as long as it's possible to look for a handout, we will not extend the helping hand. America needs us, and it needs our helping hand more than we need its handout. We can take care of ourselves. But we persuaded ourselves that that's not true. And I understand why. I don't blame people necessarily for it. When Lyndon Johnson told the country equal opportunity is not enough, he was sending a message directly into the hearts of black communities. He was saying, you're not capable. You can't do it on your own. You can't take care of yourself. And a lot of that got internalized. There was even leadership in black communities that internalized it and repeated it and preached it. You are dependent victims. And that destroyed a sense of agency. When people do not have a sense of agency, they do not have confidence in themselves, they do not believe self-government will work for them. And, of course, that's the only thing that will work. And so we have to recover that self-confidence, recover that sense of agency in order to understand why the world looks so glum so often today. However... I would say that um, our people, 
have mm-hmm. really been devastated in the last three decades. Um, seeing how um, laws have been turned uh, and canceled almost um, to find that we are no longer, um, they are not in- encouraging others who don't look like us to uh, get rid of the books about slavery. It really didn't happen. It's like the whole narrative has changed. What we all know to be true and what we all believe to be true as um, African-Americans The big challenge for me is that we still are changing the narrative, or at least the government is changing the narrative as we we sit and watch and try to figure out why. What would you say? I think I have to share with you. I'm I'm much older than you are, and and perhaps probably most of your audience. And so I have to share something with you that goes back into my past, because people have lost touch with it. I was raised on Paul Lawrence Dunbar. I was raised on... Uh, you know, uh, James Weldon Johnson, uh, Langston Hughes. Uh, I, I understood who I was a long time ago, long before people said they weren't teaching you who you were, long before they said they had destroyed your history. I had that history. So we're talking about something that happened recently, not something that happened a long time ago. There's, a, there's no accident that there are lots of Dunbar High Schools uh, James Alden Johnson High School, and Langston Hughes, and all the rest of them, e- even right up to, to Ralph Ellison himself. So, so, so something dramatic changed since that earlier period in the 20th century, and we are partly involved in the change. It wasn't the man who did it to us, simply. We did it to ourselves. We started looking differently, without pride and self-respect, and looking from the position of thinking, we are under siege, and we can't lift this cloud of darkness around us unless the government intervenes to do it for us. And that was a big mistake. That was surrendering power to somebody else to do what we could do for ourselves. So can you tell me if you grew up in a black community? Yes, of course, in the segregated South. Right. Oh, my goodness. So was my mother. She was uh, raised in that as well. The difficulty difficulty for me today is that we believed that the government was there to support the people of America, all of us, Mm -hmm. including Mm -hmm. African-Americans. And -hmm. what we have seen is the releasing of us as though as though they're saying you don't need this information anymore. You don't need to be smart. You just want to work. That'll be fine. And it's, it's as though we're being thrown away today. Are you saying that we are throwing ourselves away? I'm telling you just that. And that's because, you see, from the founding of this country, there was one thing that was the key to everything that went on in the country. And it wasn't slavery. Slavery was a problem, and that had to be overcome, to be sure. But the one thing was the founding said all human beings are capable of self-government. And nobody started denying that until they started denying it in the context of race and suggesting black people were not capable of self-government. And so that when they drove that message home into black minds themselves, then it became self-fulfilling prophecy and self-defeating. Of course we're capable of self-government. Of course we can handle these problems. And I, don't, I mean problems. I don't mean that there are no problems. You're right. There are lots of things you look about and you say, gee, why is this happening? Let me give you an example. Why is it we came to a period of time when welfare came to be synonymous with being black? When we all know that in absolute numbers there were more white people on the age of families with dependent children than black people. 
Yet it yeah, can't but white white people have. Black. Excuse me for interrupting, sir. But white people have been called white people all along. We have been mm-hmm. changing our moniker. How many times now? Um, you know, what we were black yeah. and we were Negro, and so, I mean, we can go all down the list. We haven't even yeah. landed on the the word that defines who we are. If there was yeah, a word that would define who we are, what do you think it is? Well, that, that instability says a lot. You're absolutely right about that. And I do not try to impose names on people. So people who say, I'm an African-American, I accept it from them. For me, it's, a, it's an offense. But I don't mind if anybody else says it. That's fine. If that's what they think. My point is this. We don't need to have an identity imposed upon us. We don't need to assume an identity. What we have is the strength of the affirmation of our humanity. And that is viable in these United States. And insisting upon that is everything. That's what Frederick Douglass and Ida B. Wells were talking about in 1893 already. That's when they were protesting being excluded from the Columbian Exposition, you know, the Chicago Wells Fair, World's Fair of that year. They said, you've kept black people out of this. Why did you do that? And they went back to 1619. And they said, you know, with 1619, you brought those slaves here. You set in train a pattern of things that was just really awful. But then you got rid of slavery. The war came, abolition came, and in just the period of not quite 30 years since then, look at all that we've accomplished. You're not allowing us to tell that story, and guess what? It's not a story of the accomplishments of American blacks. It's a story of American accomplishments, because we're accomplishing that in the United States, living out American principles, and that's what you're denying. That's what you're refusing yourself as well as us. Okay, let's talk about this. Let's yeah. talk about this. In the recent years, you say straight talk about the state of black America has become dangerous. Tell me more. Yes. That's because when people try to tell the truth about what happened, they quickly find themselves being called racist. I'll give you a quick story about that. When I was chairman of the Commission on Civil Rights coming to the end of my term, I went to the Capitol Hill and spoke to the Wednesday group. And that was the group of Republicans who meet on Wednesdays there in Congress in the House. And I gave them an update on the situation in the country and told them what I thought needed to be said and done about the question of race. When I finished my talk to a person, they said to me, we can't say that. We would be called racist. Now, it's only gotten worse since then. And so people won't tell the truth because they are intimidated, bullied, silenced, and canceled. And that's why it's dangerous. We have to hear hard truths. We, had, we need to hear truth about what's happening in our urban centers where black communities of themselves are in charge. And we need to be able to say to them, you can take charge. And you don't have to defer to the White House or the State House or anybody else. You can set, set the terms for engagement in this community. And if you're going to assure public safety and public education, you can do it. And all you have to do is insist that you're going to do it yourself. That's all it takes. William B. Allen, I need a whole hour with you. I just want you to know know that, and we don't have an hour tonight. But I do want to say that this book is really about eight essays in this volume that bring clarity to the murky darkness, you say, of America, America's race debates, reviewing and building up the latest scholarship into the character, shape, and tendencies of life for black Americans. The bottom line here is that you and I both know that not too much has changed. Right. I don't care if I look back in my early teens to today in my 60s. I understand that not so much has changed. And it seems as though we're waving, 
you know, if I could look at um, us not just walking because of gravity on this earth, but if we mm-hmm. could float around, it would seem as though we would just float endlessly and never get set and solid at, as to where we should be. And that is I my like final that. question. This essay um, of eight essays, I should say, this book of eight essays, sounds like it's really important. And I am definitely going to get this book. But I want you to tell me what is the one thing that you want African-Americans or black people to know after reading this book? What do you want them to receive from your brain trust? It's what you just said. And I really like the image you just used. You feel like you're floating around, not settled down somewhere. Mm-hmm. I want people to settle down. And that's why this book is not just one perspective. It's a debate. There are different perspectives represented in these essays. Because I have confidence. I believe that if people take the time to see it from both sides, they will come down on the side of truth. They will settle down. I wish we had more time. I wish we had more time. Sir, I really thank you for joining us tonight. The book is called The State of Black America, Progress, Pitfalls, and the Promise of the Republic. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. You're so very welcome. It's been delightful. Thank you, sir. Good night. Good night. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.